Welcome to Many Faces, Many Places. I am your host, Roxy Lee. And joining us today is a guest who has, dare I say, a highly soaring hobby. His name is Anthony Vela. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So Anthony, tell me, did you realize or when did you realize that you're quite the local celebrity? Uh, probably the other day when, when I was out at the field and, and, and I was teaching a student how to fly and the person was like, hey, you're that YouTube guy, aren't you? <laughs> and then I, I, I turn all red in the face. Uh, but know that, or, or when I was at Walmart the other day, somebody's like, didn't you fly here once? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess as time goes on, more people kind of know about me as the, the flying guy. Yeah, so I've lived in El Paso most of my life, and I saw you for the first time maybe just barely a few months ago. And I'm like, where, what, where have I, like, why haven't I seen you before? And um, okay. I mean, I mean that by saying that you're a local celebrity, as in people don't know your name, but people have seen you because right. throughout right. the city, people just all they have to do is look up in the sky. And I've <laughs> seen people <laughs> when I'm going to work or when I'm taking out my dogs on a walk. I've seen people point and they're like, what is that? Who is that? Wait, is that a man? <laughs> is it a bird? Is it a plane? <laughs> exactly. And actually that pushed me to find you. Like there was someone that um, I was walking out with my dogs and then there was a couple with their stroller and they were like, look at that guy. He's like got something. He's flying around. <laughs> and then, and then I realized I, I remember coming across one of uh, your pictures that I think it was like the Franklin, El Paso Franklin mountains oh, yeah. Instagram page shared. And I'm like, Oh, so this guy like exists. <laughs> so that's how I found out about you. But yeah, people, I guess have seen you around and I'm sure they're dying to know your story. Right. It's actually really funny as far as people getting to know me locally. Um, several years ago, I, I got into flying. I learned how to fly these PPG powered paragliders. Um, and and it, as soon as I got done with training, I came back to El Paso and going to University of Texas, El Paso at the time. And uh, of course, I, I wanted to share what I was doing with everybody because I was just so excited. I'm still very excited about what I'm doing. And I was, I was flying before I had one of my classes that morning. And so I'm on Facebook Live and, and I, I make a comment uh, saying something like, I, I better hurry up or I'm going to be late for class. What I meant was, I better hurry up and get back to the field and land and drive to school. But I said, I better hurry up or I'm going to be late for class. And then I ended the, the Facebook Live. And, and then one of the local big pages that... FitFam EP Instagram page with like a hundred thousand followers or something like that. They they happen to get this this Facebook Live of me, and they interpret it as I better hurry up and fly like as if I was flying to school to my class. And then at that time I was still so new, and all these people were sending in video clips of me flying along Trans Mountain along I ten, and so they took the clip of me saying I'm going to be I'm going to be late for school, and then. And then all these locals showing this person flying along El Paso as if I was going to school, which I wasn't, but it, it made for a pretty funny my viral video. And that's As, how and, and that's how like basically people started to know me. So yeah. So how long have you lived here? 
Uh, I got I got here about six years, seven six or seven years ago. Uh, I was in the army. I got out here, uh, medically retired, bought a house here, and uh, yeah, I, I I wasn't planning on staying very long, um, but because I had purchased a house and I I ended up just becoming quite comfortable and falling in love with El Paso and and it's outdoors and. And then when I got into flying, th there's no better place in the world to fly. I'm originally from uh, Southern California, and, and there is no worse place for flying than Southern California. I mean, beautifully, aesthetically speaking, California is gorgeous. But uh, because of, of airspace and, and other things, like it's not the most welcoming place or easy to access, if I will. Uh, oh, okay, will, uh, so they have more regulations, I'm guessing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's more strict. Okay. Yeah, normally I wouldn't think of here in the desert as a great place to fly. And even, I guess, landing areas could be kind of rough <laughs> from what uh, it looks. <laughs> but if you think about it, in a way, it's rough. In a way, it's it's difficult. And, and I've had several times where the engine has turned off on me. And then it's like, uh oh, you better find a place to land quick. Um, but there's there's pros and cons. The pros being that El Paso doesn't have a lot of trees. So I'm not going to be stuck in a, a tree waiting for somebody to come pluck me out of it. Um, however, the, the composition of the ground is like rocks. And so it just takes a little bit of extra care or caution when choosing that emergency out uh, location. Uh, just not to, you know, roll an ankle or something like that. But but really, the desert, El Paso, is super forgiving compared to other parts of the country, just because we don't have the trees. Wow, that's yeah, that actually does make sense. So you're not stuck up on a tree somewhere. <laughs> um, so can you explain paramotoring or powered paragliding to the listeners, just kind of on an elementary level? <laughs> yeah, you bet. You bet. So we're flying a kite, uh, for a lack of better words. The paramotoring is a form of paragliding and paragliding is that, that thing that you see people run off of the mountains and then they'll just kind of go back and forth along the mountains with their paraglider. With a paramotor, all we do is we add an additional uh, pr a propeller in a backpack with an engine and a propeller attached to it. And that allows us to create the thrust needed to lift up into the air and just fly anywhere without needing the environment to create the lift for us, which is what uh, paragliders are dependent on. They require either thermals, like the, the rising air from the sun heating the ground to create this lift that they can then ride all the way up to, you know, thousands of feet up if, if the conditions are right, or they have to be alongside of a mountain where they can then uh, soar along ridge lift which is the air rising up along the mountains. But because we don't, because we have a, a backpack with a propeller, we can fly virtually from any sort of place, flat ground, and uh, cruise for up to three, maybe four hours if you have an efficient, a fuel efficient glider. It's pretty amazing. Sounds very complicated, like aerodynamics. <laughs> Right, but, but the cool thing about paramotoring for you listeners out there who might be interested is that it's actually really, really simple compared to flying an airplane. It's it's so accessible that 
you could be in your 70s and get started in paramotoring where you're, as, as you may know, like as you get older, your neuroplasticity, your ability to learn things kind of diminishes it with age. Um, however, paramotoring is um, relatively simple in, in, in terms of aviation to the point where most people can pick it up. In fact, there are like 12-year-olds flying paramotors and I, I can only imagine how exciting that is uh, because they still have their imagination intact and they're like, oh man, I got these flying powers. But really it's simple. And the reason that it's simple is because imagine you, Roxy, flying around El Paso on a paramotor and if, if you panicked and did nothing, what makes a paramotor so special is that if you responded with nothing, if you just put your hands in your lap and just sat there, the paraglider, the paramotor is going to glide down nice and slow and you'll land. That is not the case for an airplane. If you fall asleep or do anything like that in an airplane, the worst case scenario is going to happen. Not on a paramotor. They're very um, forgiving, especially when you're doing nothing. Uh, oftentimes, those people who can get hurt on paramotors are those who are over controlling something. But statistically speaking, it's really, really safe. So that's why my wife lets me do it. <laughs> wow, that's really good to know. So you're even if you let go of all the controls, eventually you'll glide down softly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I did not know that. Yeah, that, that sounds <laughs> even safer than the regular non-motored kite like the gliding. Yeah, the paragliders. Yeah. yeah. It, it definitely. So I, I get kind of nerdy when I think about how awesome it is what I get to do in, in comparing it to the non-motored or the non-powered forms, which is just free flying, they call it, or paragliding is, is a form of free flying, being that it's called free flying because it's free of any sort of a powered mechanism. But in order when you get into paramotoring or paragliding, you have to learn about the weather to some extent because that is your biggest uh, risk is if, you, if you're going to get yourself into a situation that could potentially be hazardous, it's going to be most likely a result of the weather. And so the beauty of powered paramotoring is we go and fly when the conditions are really smooth, where People who fly without the motors don't ever, they, they're not able to go and, and stay up in the air if the conditions are smooth. They need the air, which is like a liquid, uh, which sounds crazy, but the, the air around us, it moves like a liquid. They need the air to be moving. Specifically, it needs to be moving up, which creates bumpy conditions where the pilot is getting you know, bumped around quite a bit. So fortunately for us, we don't need to, to think about having the air moving in such a specific way to keep us up in the air. We, we just look for the calmest, most beautiful mornings like today even is a great day for flying. Can you do it in the rain? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yes, but you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> technically, uh, but... <laughs> yeah, technically you could. Um, however, you bring yourself a lot closer to the risk of stalling your glider, which then could get you really hurt. Um, there are people who have been flying paramotors and, and then just happen to get stuck in, in a little rain. Um, and, and they almost always make it down to the ground. But when the glider, the glider is made of fabric, right? It's this nylon sewn together, beautiful glider. But you don't want your, your pretty glider getting all soaked because then it just won't fly very well. Okay. So that brings me to a thought, how much would all of the equipment cost to get your first, is it called a parachute or a glider? 
glider. Yeah, okay. yeah. Parachutes are in skydiving. We actually do carry an additional parachute with us. You don't have to, but it's always wise to carry what's called a reserve parachute. And that is is in the event that if anything ever happened to your paraglider, you'd be able to have an emergency out, if you will. So the paragliders, if you were to buy a brand new paraglider, they range from three to $4,000. And some people might think initially, wow, that's really steep. But, you know, for what you're getting, A, it's it's all handmade, like elaborately handmade in these these uh, very specific dimensions. Um, and they take hours and hours and hours and just so much time to create these things. And, and you can see the craftsmanship in them. So then you're like, okay, well, I see that the the time is there to justify the cost. But additionally, if you think about what it affords you, I mean, the ability to fly it's like, oh man, if I could pay three thousand dollars for the for a flying power, would I do it? Yeah, absolutely. I would do it as many times as I needed to to have that flying power. Um, of course, you still need for powered flight. You still need the paramotor, which is the backpack part of it, and it has a, a two-stroke engine and a, and a propeller and a fuel tank and some other components that make it all happen. And those range from $6,000 approximately up to like $9,000. But mine, mine, the one that I recently purchased, I happened to get it on a, a good deal when they first launched the company. It was at $5,500. And my glider is like $3,200. So in total, I'm, I'm around eight dollars and a half, $9,000 for um, my motorcycle in the sky, if you will. So not a bad price. If you, if you're, if you're a motorcycle enthusiast, you don't go, oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't think motorcycling is worth $9,000 to me. Ultimately, um, I would love to see the prices come down. And I've, I've made several videos on that on my YouTube channel. I talk about paramotors being expensive as expletive, but, uh, I, I think it's the the demand, like people want the ability to fly and manufacturers incur a lot of risk by making flying machines, even though they're statistically safe. God forbid somebody died on one, uh, they better have money to pay for an attorney or something like that. However, um, I know I'm rambling on, but I'll, I'll add that uh, in the sport, that's, that's often how safe is it is a question. And it's relatively extremely safe. In a sport of about 30,000 people around the world doing it, there's there's usually about one or two deaths a year, which one to two out of 30,000 is, is extremely good, a lot better than those who choose to go and buy a motorcycle, for example, or, or it's safer than, you know, getting your pilot's license. These are really safe forms of flying. So... Yeah, that was a long answer. To, <laughs> to no, don't worry at all, because we know nothing about it. So the more in depth you go about it, the more understanding we have. <laughs> but that was a great explanation. No, it really makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, even driving puts you in a lot of risk. And sure. like you said, motorcycling and even um, mountain biking is very dangerous. So just uh, there's a lot of hobbies out there that you could potentially get hurt. But it's it's nice to hear that. Um, paramotoring is relatively safe compared to other, I guess, extreme sports. Also, we're not even talking about any of right. those other things <laughs> like right. um, free rock climbing and things like that. So, right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Or, or the worst, the, the most dangerous is probably um, wingsuit flying where they jump off the cliffs and they, they have the wingsuits and they, they're doing proximity flying where they're flying really close to the terrain and and oftentimes that ends in the most uh, predictable way when oh. there is uh, a fatality with 
with that sport. But you know what I want to add to the safety, how safe is the sport? You'll hear it amongst all the people who fly, and and I think the numbers show it that the sport is as safe as you make it. Meaning, if you were, let's say, just for a hypothetical, you're a 50 year old uh, man or a woman who gets into paramotoring and and you just want to fly and and see the sights because you want to get up to a few thousand feet and soak it all in. You are the least likely to get hurt. So you're like more like a one in a million odds of, of getting hurt. Those people who get hurt or or actually more those people who die in the sport of paramotoring are those who who tend to push the limits, who who know where the edge is and then they step over the edge of, of extreme, you know, doing uh, hardcore maneuvers, barrel rolls close to the ground and then they hit the ground. But they're they're aware of the risk and they accept that risk and knowing that it may go wrong and sometimes it does. But for those individuals who make up the majority of the sport, who just want to go and sightsee basically or do some long distance flying on fair weather days, those are the people who statistically will be safe uh, and, and can fly until they're 90 years old if they want to. What's the oldest age you've seen someone do this? I have in in person maybe seventies, but on on YouTube, I've I think I I had seen somebody who was like ninety two years old flying a paramotor, which is nuts, man. If my health is there when I'm in my nineties, I sure hope to be flying these still. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you'll make it. I guess we'll wait for your YouTube videos when you're ninety years old. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> So what are some destinations or I guess crazy trips you've taken maybe out of the country or some amazing sites you've seen while you've done this? Ooh, out of out of the country. I've only flown from El Paso and I've flown in, in different states around the US. Uh, but when I fly from El Paso, one of the things you can do is fly right over to that border and uh and and oddly enough, the border patrol agents are, are really cool with it. Even if people fly across the border into Mexico, uh, as long as they don't land, like I think they want to make sure nobody's making any sort of special runs across the border and bringing anything back that they're not supposed to be bringing. So um, I have flown like just just a little bit across the border and come back and landed. But as far as beauty, you know, the the most exotic places around the United States. Uh, I, I have to say, well, in Florida, I flew over alligator infested waters and, and I remember flying really low. And one of the cool things you can do on a paramotor is fly and drag your feet along the ground. And if you're over water, you can just fly over the water and skim your toes right in the water. I was flying really low over this swampy land in Florida and I saw an alligator's head uh, like right in front of me, a really big alligator. But I didn't see it until I got close and it just like whipped in the water, splashed up and it got me wet and the, the alligator dove down into it. But, uh, yeah, that's that's probably the most exotic experience I've had. Aside from that, um, I have flown in California in spite of it being so congested and that's beautiful. You know, you've got beach flying, you've got flying over uh, the farmlands in California. And, and then I think the most beautiful location would have to be uh, flying in Vermont up in the Northeast. Uh, during fall, a lot of people travel there for the changing of the seasons to see the trees change colors. However, to see it from a perspective in the air, 
is is like especially exceptional. You're like a living drone. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, but to see it with my own eyes, exactly. Are your hands free, or do you, when you're using the motor, do you have to actually use your hand, and you can't really hold any equipment or cameras with you? No. So, so another great question. <laughs> um, so, because because paramotoring is as easy as it can be, especially most to be most accurate, I'd say once you become experienced, um, know when you can totally let go of the controls and do other things. Um, okay, here's a fun fact. So when people get a paramotor, um, like if you were to order yourself uh, a, a new paramotor, the manufacturer will ask you what side you want um, the throttle on because you, your throttle's in, in one of your hands. And almost all Americans will put their throttle on their left hand, their non-dominant hand, because everybody wants to pull out their phone and take pictures with their dominant right hand. So if that answer is like, yes, people absolutely get to a point in flying after, you know, uh, a dozen hours of flying, they feel really comfortable just to place the control back on a magnet that it gets stowed on, on a component that's called the risers on the paraglider. And then they can just simply reach down in their pocket and FaceTime their mom or, or do whatever, or, or check their Facebook or Instagram or listen to your podcast. I mean, people can do anything while they're flying. Ideally though, they should be paying attention to what's around them. That's the that's the right answer. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Safety first. Right. <laughs> well, those are some awesome stories. The alligator one's crazy. And I'm glad you didn't get bitten. <laughs> yes, me too. So you now have children, right? Do you expect yeah. them to be flying with you anytime soon or go out on their own? Yeah, I've got I've got three kids. My eldest is nine years old, and he is uh, he loves it. He loves seeing the paramotoring. His Christmas gift was a paragliding harness, so that he can join me out at the field and practice these things that need to be practiced before actually going to the going and taking your first flight. So I say he's a, a step in the right direction as far as learning how to fly. Of course, as a, any parent would, I think you know you you, you want to make sure if they are going to get into the sport that they do it as safe as possible. And then as for the other two, I, I, by the way, I've taken him flying on my, on our new two seater paramotor, which is a, a tr it's called a trike. So it has wheels. So all the person has to do is sit down in the front seat and go flying with me. And so I've taken my son up. I, I posted a video of it on Instagram. He's, it's, it's pretty cute. Actually, he's, he's just soaking it all in. Um, and he's so articulate for his age. So he's able to explain why it's so exciting for him. Uh, as far as the other two, uh, the next one down is is my daughter who is six, and and she she says she really wants to fly someday, um, and so we'll see when we get there. And and the youngest one is seven months old, so she's going to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Are there any regulations for how old you have to be, or as long as they're under supervision? No, no. I mean, not even. There's nothing that specifically says they have to be under supervision either. So no, there is no age limit on flying paramotors because you're not required to get a license. And a lot of people wonder that. They're like, oh, how hard is it to get the license in paramotoring? And, and the answer is, is there isn't one. That being said, there are rules to paramotoring. There are things that if you do them they, that shouldn't be done, you are liable. Uh, you, you can be held accountable from the FAA, which is the Federal Aviation Administration. Um, for example, on par with paramotors, 
you're not allowed to fly over congested areas. Like you shouldn't be flying over people's houses. Uh, you have to fly within a from sunrise. You have until sun, from sunrise until sunset to fly. And you're not allowed to take passengers unless you have the tandem exemption, which which I have. But um, there are some other, uh, a few other rules, as, as well as flying in in certain airspaces, as mentioned earlier, with California it being such a congested airspace. But that is why it is important to get training, not only for your own safety, but to understand the rules and to preserve this the sport of paramotoring. Um, but aside from that, there there is no age limit. Uh, so you could be potentially ten years old flying one of these, or younger. You could be you could be one years old and you wouldn't be able to fly. But as long, ideally, your parent, the the individual's parent or or guardian, is right. uh, wise enough to know how where their where their child is. That trip to the market. Instacart delivers fresh local groceries to your front door in as little as one hour by connecting you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver hand selected groceries from your favorite stores. Instacart even highlights deals to save you money, which is convenient if you're like myself who somehow just suck at using coupons. Get free delivery on your first order over $35 by using the link in today's show notes, which in turn helps support this podcast so you mentioned that your wife lets you do this <laughs> how does she <laughs> feel about all of this and does she oh. do it herself well she met me doing this and i'll tell you that story in a bit but you know interestingly is any good partner would do they they, they would be concerned about their partner's well-being it, the answer is yes she she loves that i fly However, she wants me to do it safely. And, and I am uh, the way that I fly. Sometimes I am one of those individuals who likes to push the boundaries only when flying by myself. Of course, if I have a passenger, their safety is like my biggest concern. But being that we have children, they want to make sure that I don't end up as one of those statistics that pushed it too hard and uh, mistimed something. Or, or These are things that happen when you're flying the, the most extreme equipment, um, the most advanced competition level stuff that are more prone to to having mishaps happen but there are a lot of things you can do so uh, she's always like the angel on my shoulder who uh, tells me you know to fly all of these things that that people end up learning like flying higher is safer than flying lower uh, or having that reserve parachute uh, close by uh, and, and ready and, and then just just being mindful of not progressing faster than you're able to keep up um, so she's very supportive but just wants to always remind me to be to be safe so are you guys wearing headphones to be able to communicate together yeah. when she's on the ground and you're in the sky yeah well not not all the time i do happen to have a a, a helmet most people who get into paramotoring build their own helmets it's really easy and those have Bluetooth, so you can communicate with people while flying, and they do a great job at cutting out the the engine noise. And, and when I'm flying, people don't aren't even aware that I'm flying because it sounds so clear, or or I can listen to music, but uh, whatever, whatever. But yes, I, I I do occasionally call her from the air. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to record a podcast next time from the air. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did you two meet? Were you guys both at the on the sky at the same time? 
No. So I mentioned how uh, I was flying to, well, they, they assumed I was flying to school and they posted this video on Instagram about this guy who's flying to UTEP. She, she was one of the thousands of people who saw that and, and started following me on Instagram. And then many months later, like she'd been following, just kind of like uh, following along. And then one day she was driving with her nephew, taking him to school. And she sees me flying. She just drops me a message and saying, hey, I think I see you flying over the, uh, over the outlet mall. Not over the outlet mall because I'm not allowed to do that. Flying uh, past the outlet mall. Um, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But uh, so I responded to her and, and I was single and, and I did think to myself, I'm like, man, she's really pretty. Uh, and so I uh, responded back in you know, she wasn't, she wasn't flirty at all. And I was like, what do I got to do to get this girl to hang out with me? Eventually I, I kept messaging her and I, I, I asked her if, if her nephew was interested in learning how to fly these <laughs> things. I was like, come out to the field where I fly and, and let me show him. I'm such a good guy. Let me show him. <laughs> using the kid as a I toy. was using the kid. Absolutely. It, it panned out really well. Um, eventually, I mean, after like you know having conversations for a super long time, she and I like met up in and uh, started dating. I mean, it was just like we wanted to hang out with each other every day. She loved the flying thing, and she'd go out to the field and watch me fly. Funny story. One day, uh, after we became boyfriend and girlfriend, she came out to the field and where I fly from, and I was just kept flying by her. And she called her friend, one of her best friends on FaceTime. And she goes, look at, look at how cool this is. And then as I, I was like, I noticed I was low on fuel. And so I was like, I'm going to do one more pass. And right next to the field is this big arroyo that's like deep, this steep cliff that goes uh, into this deep embankment. And so I was like, okay, I'll do one more pass and then I'll land it because I need to get on the ground. I, I swoop around her and she's filming me and then all of a sudden and it just turns off. Oops. <laughs> it, oops. And the glider just goes down. Of course there's physics into it. Under most circumstances, the glider would glide down slowly, but because of my proximity to the ground and showing off and all the things you shouldn't do, the glider pitched down and I like crashed pretty hard into this uh, embankment. She's like, oh my God. And these people came running over from the field. I hit the ground. I went end over end like three times. Ama amazingly, I wasn't hurt aside from one big cactus thorn stuck in my forehead. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I managed to, all my equipment happened to be okay in spite of having probably the, the second worst crash I've ever had. Right in front of the love of your life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so um, we uh, dated. Uh, we, she moved in. We spent a ton of time together, and until eventually, she was like, I, "Well, it's not like she was like she wanted to do it." I, I did some pushing. I was like, "Come on, you got to do this for yourself." So we took a trip uh, to Austin. They have a, a flight training program in in Austin, Texas, and. Uh, she she got to lie for herself but her first landing was like a was a pretty bad landing but fortunately it was on the beach of course once again as usual people don't really get hurt with bad landings it's more it's more just a frustration so we bought her this paramotor and and she's flown it uh she's flown it a handful of times but now she just prefers to to fly with me as as my passenger or i call her my co-pilot um, <laughs> and uh and then it's really cool so we met we met through paramotoring, right? And then 
uh, a year and a half, two years later, uh, we end up getting married out in the Franklin Mountains. We just picked this random spot with the beautiful backdrop of the Franklin Mountains. And we had paramotors, all of our paramotor friends flying circles around us as we said our vows, which was pretty awesome. And then, of course, we have a baby. And from the hospital window, when the baby's, you know, just after the baby's born, you can see a formation of paramotors flying right along the hospital window. So it's like in all these different stages of our relationship, we have these wacky, wonderful uh, flying machines right there. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> if you find the video of the Franklin Mountains and everyone circling around you guys while you're saying your vows, please send it to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. I will share it photo. on... I'll send you a photo after this. this yeah, story. I'll definitely share it on the pod on the Instagram. Yeah. It's, so you it, you talked about friends. So you do have some friends in the area that also do this. So I, yeah. I didn't know if maybe your wife already was doing it and that's how you guys met. But it's nice that you somehow eventually convinced her to try it out for herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, and we do. We have a, a big, uh, a growing community here, uh, which is just so cool because when I got here, to be honest, there was a, a two other guys doing it. One of the other ones got into it around the same exact time, but he went to a different place to train. And we just both happened to be from El Paso. Since then, we've we've grown to a community of probably 15 people who actively fly paramotors around here which makes it kind of funny because people have come to kind of like know me as the person who flies around El Paso but in all reality there are there are a bunch of other people who do it and so when when people see of course people will grab their phones and they'll be like oh look at that it's Anthony and they'll <laughs> tag me on Instagram and I'll be like no that's nope. that's awesome or no that's Tom or no that's Steven or that's whoever uh but but no, the, the community is is continuing. Our local flying community is continuing to grow at a really awesome rate um, because we are so much more than flying friends. I mean, we are we, we have we just went to a surprise birthday party. And of course, all the people who paramotor go to the surprise birthday party and there's copious amounts of drinking involved in a good time. No, uh, really, it's, it's a lot of fun, though. Um, and now that uh, my wife and I own this uh, flight training program here. And, and have tandem flights so that people can figure out, is this something that I want to do? Um, it, we expect it to grow at an even faster rate. And we, we really want to grow the local flying community into those who respect the, the rules uh, so that we can preserve the sport. That way there are no ramifications or um, ordinances from the city put in place that say, no flying, you guys are nuisances. But fortunately, because all of us uh, really respect the rules and, and we're mindful of those uh, individuals who who are just bystanders on the ground, like we want them to love to see it. We don't want them to be like, oh, here they come again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like some tag team. <laughs> right. Some, some aerial motorcycle gang. <laughs> yeah. That would be no. hilarious. <laughs> okay, so one example of, of things going wrong um, it wasn't me, of course. So there's, it's nice when people think it's me. Uh, I, I do, I do correct them. I'll be like, no, that's actually this person. But thanks for thinking of me. But there was a time it, it really bit me in the butt. I went to Vermont, as mentioned. Vermont was one of the places I went to go fly, and I was teaching a friend how to fly paramotors. 
And uh, I get this call from my wife and she's like, the park rangers are at the house and they, they need to talk to you. And I was like, oh no. I was like, I don't think I've ever done anything wrong. Um, and and so uh, I finally get the guy's number and, and I call the park ranger. He goes, is this Anthony Vela? I was like, yes. He goes, um, we, we had a report from somebody who said that one of the paramotorists was flying close to somebody who was hiking at the Franklin Mountains and it, and it kind of upset them. Uh, long story short, it was another guy who I won't name. <laughs> Who, who who loves to fly by people because 99% of the time they love to see it and they, they like to see it up close. Um, but fortunately, the park ranger guy is just so nice. Like he is, he's a, they are a wonderful team out there. And uh, when I got back, he came to the house and and he was like, man, those things are so cool. And he just like respectfully asked, like maybe, maybe keep a little bit of distance from the hikers, but you're more than welcome to come over to the Franklin Mountain State Park and fly. And, it, and it's, it's a nice community. So of course, if we work with the community, um, then we can maintain this awesome relationship and continue to grow the sport in that way. That's what it's all about and not being identified as some aerial gang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have seen a couple of you out there one day. So the, the first time I ever laid eyes on the paramotorist was two people. So I don't know if you were one of them, but um, it's nice to know we have at least like 10 to 30 people here that do it yeah. Um, yeah. and that it's a growing group. I'm pretty sure in a few years it's going to be more well known and people are going to want to try it out for themselves. It does sound exciting. I mean, who wouldn't want to fly, right? Hashtag flying <laughs> friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For ways to support the podcast, please tap on the bio link in my Instagram page at mfmppod. Consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mfmp. In addition to helping me keep the show on air, you'll also receive access to exclusive content and other patron-only perks. Till next time!